do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. This last week, I was uh, really glad to have the opportunity to start scripture teaching. Kerry is our heroic leader of uh, scripture. And uh, I've done lots of scripture teaching in the past, but I haven't done it since I've been at Hornsby, so it was really nice to get in there with Year 5. And uh, Year 5 kids, we have four kids, so I I sort of know what it's like to deal with kids. Um, But they're just sort of lovely because they don't have much of a filter on their emotions. I was doing this get-to-know-you game, and there was this uh, young girl down the front, she wanted whatever she felt sad or something was going on in her because she just sat there with both fingers in the ears and went well you know that's okay there's no filter and other people get excited and other people get too excited um, but the job of the teacher coming in certainly the difficult job of the scripture teacher is to try to establish some sort of culture amongst this little community where the community works right? You've got to try to establish some way that people respect one another and, um, and listen and treat others as they would want to treat themselves. Well, this is exactly what Jesus noticed when he was people watching. And we've said this many times. He's been people watching since the very beginning. So he's watching community, all sorts of community all over the world, everyone who's ever lived. And he's watched what works and what doesn't work. And then this insight that Morty read for us comes from a real message he gave to real people 2,000 years ago. The Western Bank of the Sea of Galilee is on that bank there, the green grass, and he's giving a teaching like no other teaching ever given. And he's giving insight for people to understand how best to live. And so he's coming and he's saying, let me teach you about community. Let me teach you about relationships. Let me teach you about how to help one another become all that God wants them to be. And so Community Reframed is the name of this message. And it's what Jesus taught about community. He began in chapter 7, verse 1, with do not judge. Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I wonder if you've ever heard that used against you as a Christian. You're not meant to judge, you're a Christian. Or community says that about the church. They're so judgmental. Um, Don't judge me, the Bible says not to. Well, that word, you've got to understand that when you find, say, Greek text like that word for judge, It has a lexical range, like every word in the Bible. It has a semantic range. It could mean they judged the distance well. That's a different way of understanding the word judge to Jesus will judge the living and the dead. 
the consequence of that is far greater than the former. So we always have to try to understand where is this word sitting in its, its semantic or lexical range. What's interesting in this particular verse, if you, if you remember what we just heard in verse 6, Jesus actually makes a judgment on Gentiles, referring to them as dogs, which is a little bit odd, but it's there for a reason. I think Jesus is saying, obviously, don't think there's no place for judgment. But what I want to tell you is don't do it with contempt. Don't do it as a, um, an attempt to put down. Don't do it with a critical spirit. Don't do it out of condemnation. In fact, do it unto others as you would have them do to you. That's verse 12, if you look further on in your Bible. We can get used to that saying, because we've all heard it before. But Jesus said it. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. If you want to come down hard on someone and judge them severely, well, okay, do it as you would like to be treated yourself. I had an interesting experience in year three with a teacher, Leanne said to me, it must have been pretty impacting to remember your casual teacher's name. And I do, his name was Mr. Bolshire. Mr. Bolshire was an odd character back in the day uh, in the 70s when it would seem there, there, there wasn't so, there weren't so many um, boundaries for teachers to be restrained in their oddness. So Mr. Bolshoi had this way about him, and uh, apparently I'd done something wrong and so had a mate of mine, so Mr. Bolshoi got us up in front of the classroom and he handed us the paddle bat. Does anyone remember the paddle bat? Yes. <laughs> it was a cane and it was a paddle bat, like a really big, heavy, wooden, I don't know, uh, uh, table tennis bat, but like, way bigger. And so Mr. Bolshoi said to us both, I want you to smack each other. So you're going to lean, bend over and um, smack each other. And if you don't hit each other hard enough, I'm going to hit the one of them again. So I went first. I bent over and my friend, he just sort of tapped me on the backside. And so then he went over and I don't know, I, I guess I was just trying to be compliant. But, but I took a good swing and whacked him as hard as I could. And then, this is confessional, isn't it? Um, and then we were about to walk off and he called us back and I thought, oh no, here I go, I'm going to get it. And he told me to sit down and he got the other boy to lean over and he whacked him really hard. That used to be funny, but it's really sad now, isn't it? Because we all go, what a jerk. But I share that because it's like a great example that sticks in my mind of do we want to treat people how we all get treated? I was just doing what the teacher said. But Jesus tells us, when it comes to truth-telling in community, do it really carefully. Do it really carefully. We need to make judgments for us to be all that God wants us to be. But do it lovingly. And that's a difficult task. So then he moves into his primary teaching metaphor in verse 3. So he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? 
You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So first, I guess, observation from Jesus' um, illustration is, I wonder if he had a few sawdust specks in his eye. I mean, he's a carpenter, so he doesn't have goggles, so he knows what it's like to get a, a speck of sawdust in your eye. When you get something in your eye, the most obvious impact that it has on that person is it's hard to see, right? It's hard to see. And I think what he's really referring to is a spiritual blindness that when you get something lodged in your soul, it's hard to see it yourself because it blinds you. So I could get lodged in my soul, like my eye, but I could get jealousy and bitterness and pride and selfishness. I could get a whole lot of junk that makes it really hard for me to see and that affects how I engage others in community. And Jesus is saying, when you're that person and you need help, you're probably blind to the fact of what it's doing to you. But in the first century, they probably don't have mirrors. The rich people might have mirrors, or there might be some sort of way of seeing yourself in a reflection, but it's not as though we've got a mirror, my personal mirror, in my house. So that means if I've got a splinter in my eye, I need Morgan to help me. I'm like, I think something's in my eye. Could you help me get this out? Because I can't get it out myself. And this is the place of community. So you've got to work with that metaphor that Jesus gave. What does he mean, I think, He's saying, when you're blind to stuff that's affecting the rest of the community, someone's got to come and help you get it out. So Morgan sees I've got something that's messing me up, and she comes to me, and she's holding tweezers in her hand. And I say, "Um, you're not touching my eye with those tweezers. (laughs) And Jazz comes, and she comes to me with a hammer and chisel, and says, oh, I just noticed there's something in your eye. I'm like, could you please... Come with something a bit more appropriate. And then Sarah comes, and she's so sweet. She's got a little tissue. And she's like, John, I just, I just wondered if I could help you get that speck out. And I go, oh, oh, thank you so much. Because it's all in how she comes to the person with the problem. And then Jesus, um, it's, it's sort of genuinely humorous. He says, but when Sarah's coming to help me and doing it really gently, she should recognise that she gets specks in her eye sometimes. And when you get a speck in your own eye, have you ever noticed that it seems really big, like perspective, like if you've got something in your own eye, it's like, that's like a log. Isn't it weird how we're very quick to point out the sin in other people's lives when we only know this much of it. Anyone notice that like you know a thousand times more about your own sin than anyone else on the planet? But we're quick to go, I just found someone with sin. Right. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, but I saw all your sin. Like you know about all the junk in your life. It's like a massive log because you know all about it. You see it. So he's just saying, deal with that. Deal with it. Leanne mentioned to me, and I noticed it myself, I had this skin spot 
which I had bathroom top years ago, and it was starting to grow. It was growing really quickly. And she's like, where did you get that check? And then when I started noticing it in my vision, like a plank, like growing in my nose, I thought, it's going to be hard to drive soon. Like, <laughs> I better go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor and um, said, oh, you know, there's this thing here. And he goes, yeah, we should get that checked out. It's probably this particular cancer, not a bad cancer, but I'll chop it off. And um, Leanne has had some, like, skin stuff cut off. And, and anyone ever been to a GP who's gung-ho and they're like, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an expert on the side in cutting stuff out? And um, I seriously went to a guy once, honestly, this is the truth. I've got a scar here somewhere. He goes, oh, that needs to come out. Um, come back and we'll cut it out. And so it was on my nose. And I came back the next day, or two days later, and there was a pimple on my face. I'm really getting off track here, but... Um, <laughs> And anyway, I, it felt like he was doing stuff a bit over to the wrong side. Anyway, long and short of it is, he cut the pimple out and left the thing on my nose. So, <laughs> and I actually think this is the thing that still caused me grief. So I'm scarred, like deep down I'm scarred about the gung-ho GP. And, and so Leanne has had the same sort of, actually the same bloke did a whole lot of poetry, <laughs> and others did as well. And then she got to the point where she had a very serious thing on her face, like it was a really bad thing that had to be cut out with a plastic surgeon. And the plastic surgeon is checking her out and he's looking at some of the other bloody jobs saying, who did that? Who did that? Who did that? And um, anyways, did this magnificent job on this crazy thing on her face. So I say to my doctor, should I see a plastic surgeon? Or are you, like, are you a hacker? And of course, he's got his light on me, he pulls it away and goes, well, I can give you a referral, you know? <laughs> it's a bit cheeky sounding. He says, I think it'll just come off fine. So do you want me to do it? And I said, yeah, okay, go for it. So he gives me a needle right on the top of my nose and I'm like, I forgot how much they hurt, like the, the local anesthetic. Anyway, he cuts it off and I'm thinking, oh, I hope this is all right. And then I see it later and he's like a master. Anyone see it? It's beautiful. It's gone. It's beautiful. And I thought, that is a metaphor. That's worth preaching. That's what we want to do in community. We want to be skillful with the scalpel and we say, you know what, I notice there's a spot on your nose. It's going to get ugly. Let's deal with it now. Yeah, cool. Let's do it together. Off. Right? That's the idea that he's saying. When you've got a speck, in your eye, you need help, but the person that come in to help, they should really be aware, I've got a whole lot of junk in my heart, so the last thing I want to do in community is come to you heavy-handed with a hammer and chisel. No, if God has called me to play a role graciously, lovingly with you because I love you, may it be done by grace so gently that in the end, it's a beautiful little wound that gives glory to God. Amen? That, I guess that's what it's all about. Love with no truth is unhelpful in community. Because you end up getting blind. You just keep stumbling because no one cares you've got a splinter in your eye. But truth with no love is a horrible place to be. Truth with no love. So somehow we've got to find the balance. 
And don't you reckon when you think about it, we live in a weird culture at the moment that's maybe a little bit schizophrenic. In that, on the one hand, relativism wins. Relativism says, Will can believe whatever he believes, I believe what I believe, Sam can believe whatever I believe. Look, just don't judge. But that's our society. Relativism. Yet, we're immersed in an internet culture that is just vile in its barbaric way of treating with people, isn't it? So we have this relativism, don't judge, but the virtual world, boom, boom, boom. And so it's, a, it's sort of an odd time that we're living in. Jesus speaks into all of it and he just says, there will be times when you will need others to point stuff out in your life, <coughs> otherwise the community will go off. You, you accept stuff that's not acceptable. How are you going to deal with it? So I guess that's the main point that he's saying. Um, deal with stuff in community skillfully, graciously, and with a real sense of my own sin, my own problems, if I'm going to say something. And then there's this really weird part that he finishes the teaching with. It says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and tear you to pieces. Put your hand up if that's your favourite verse in the Bible. That's one that you've really just locked away and thought, that's a memory verse. But like, that's so clear. <laughs> that makes so much sense to me. Anybody? So we've got dogs, we've got pearls, and we've got pigs. So the dogs, anyone remember where Jesus is... Um, Traveling along, and this Canaanite woman says, My child is sick, I need you to come and help. And what Jesus says back, which is really weird, he says, I didn't come for the Gentiles, I didn't come for the dogs. And she says, What? Even the dogs get to eat the crumbs off the table. And Jesus is like, Well said. Yeah, well said. Now that's another old story to look at. But the dogs of the Gentiles. That's, that's what, who the dogs are. The dogs are Gentiles, non-Jews. Jesus came, first of all, for the Jewish people. He obviously came for the whole world, but he had this mission to come for his own people. Pigs are domestic animals. So you've got dogs and pigs, they're both domestic animals. What about pearl? Pearls. There's three verses in the New Testament that talk about pearls. Parable of the pearl. Let me read to you Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. What's the pearl? The pearl is the gospel. The king of the kingdom has come. Jesus is the king. And he's telling them in this sermon about the way of the kingdom, the kingdom life which is the beginnings of what we know as the gospel. Jesus lives, dies, rises again, sends his spirit, creates a church, and invites people into that life of the kingdom, where the king of the kingdom is alive in our heart. But that's the gospel. That's the pearl. So he says, when the merchant finds the gospel and actually sees it for what it is, the most wonderful thing in all the world, that would mean that person could live forever. He'll give anything for it. 
So that's what the pearl is. But he says this weird thing. He says, don't throw your pearls to pigs. I think what he's saying is this. Dogs and pigs are domestic animals. Who do they, as a domestic animal, who do they rely on for food? Their owner. If the owner feeds the dog or the pig pearls, real pearls, it's going to choke. They're going to choke. They're going to be like... and get upset and maybe even attack the owner. It's the owner's fault. And I think what Jesus is saying is, when we share the gospel, when we share it with people, if we don't honour the pace of God in that person's life, it can be like we're shoving something down their throat and choking them. Over time, you will hear lots of testimonies, as I have and you already have. Sometimes people people's testimonies go like this. They've grown up in a Christian home and then they've gone to maybe a university group and they've heard the gospel for the first time. And their testimony when they come back to the Lord or they get saved for the first time is, I was at a church all my life and I never heard the gospel preached once. And then I went to my university group and they told me the gospel. And oh, finally, gee, there's problems in the church when they don't preach the gospel. You know what I've found in my life is I think most of the time the gospel has been preached. But the pace of God in that person's life wasn't at the right time for them to have their mind opened up and receive it. Anyone else known that in life? God is doing something mysterious in our hearts and we don't understand it, but there's this point where we go, oh, oh, that all makes sense. And in the same way, I think what Jesus is saying, in the same way in Christian community, we have to be really gentle. There is no difference in actually sharing the gospel with someone who's not a Christian. It has to be done with, as Peter says, gentleness and respect. God, what are you doing? Where are they up to? Because a piggish response to the gospel is, I'm just hungry. What's in it for me? And you hear this gospel that Jesus died for you and he wants you to give your whole life back to him and live for him for his glory because he deserves it. And the piggish person says, I don't care about that. I just want to feed. I want my agenda fulfilled. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Jesus says, unless you will give up your own life, you'll never be able to receive the life I want to give. And I know we don't quite get that perfect all the time but maybe some of your friends who just are pushing away your your hope to share truth with them maybe they're just not ready maybe they're, you know it sounds a bit harsh but they're a bit piggish they're a bit self-centred and sometimes God out of his grace allows the pig to get really in need and lose its desire just for itself to get other person focused and, and uh, sometimes you go through suffering to get to that point where you see the gospel for what it is. The other way of receiving the gospel is like the merchant looking for fine pearls. You hear it and it's like, I just want to give everything to this, to this one, Jesus. And that's the essence of the gospel. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus experienced what he says here. 
Because sometimes we will try to share the gospel with people. Sometimes we will try to share truth in love with people and they will mold you like a dog. That's what he's saying. Sometimes you do your best and you wonder why that family member or that person that you're genuinely doing it in love like they mold your hand. And what I've found is what's scarier is when you're the dog. Anyone had that? And you're the pig. And someone's <laughs> coming to you to try to lovingly point something out and you are not ready. You're not ready to receive what God wants to do in your heart because maybe I'm selfish or maybe I just haven't dealt with that junk. That's what community is. Sometimes people get savaged. The one who we keep our eyes on, Jesus, he lived this when he went to the cross. So Isaiah 53 says, he was despised and rejected. Yet, he <coughs> took up that suffering for us. See, the essence of what Jesus did for us is he went to people who didn't deserve it and he gave everything for them. And somehow in that is a teaching for us about what it's going to involve for community to become everything Jesus wants it to be. It's, it's a risk, isn't it? It's a risk to go into that place where you sort of humbly say, can we talk about stuff that's sort of more than, I don't know, the temporary stuff, stuff that's of the heart, Stuff that's of deep friendship, stuff that's of following Jesus. So hopefully, Lord willing, on Tuesday morning I get to go into the scripture class again and uh, talk to the kids about truth and about Jesus. And I'm looking forward to having that opportunity of speaking with life into their little hearts. And and when someone's name is Martin, and you're doing a get-to-know-you name, and you've got to make something up about your name, and the cloud, the class almost as one voice says, Martin, Martin! And you go, no. No, we're not ever saying that again. What do you want to say about your name, Martin? Because we're going to treat each other with respect. And suddenly, the class is like, oh, and you could just see it in their eyes. It was like, that's what I want. I want someone to protect me like that. I want to be in a community like that. And that's the beauty of the kingdom working when we, we don't let the bullies get away with it, but we, we don't let sin get away with it either. So let me ask you, who, who is it that um, you think God might be putting in your path that you have to gently by God's strength, come up with a bit of anaesthetic and scalpel and help get rid of something. Now, who's doing it to you? Who, who is God putting in your life whose fingers are somehow on your heart, on your mind? They're doing stuff and you're like, oh, what are you doing there? Anyone discover that when God sends someone to help you deal with something, they're not always the person that you would pick? But that's part of the issue in community. I want to pick who does it. And God says, no, you don't get to. Just receive it. Receive it and trust me.
Let me pray. Lord Holy Spirit, you know all about our stories and maybe there's just one of us here today, maybe it's just me, who needs to come under Matthew 7, 1 to 6 in a fresh way today. I pray for us that we might have courage to say yes to the process of becoming more whole. Yes to the process of deeper friendships. Yes to the process of risk and vulnerability. Yes to the process of kingdom transformation. Yes to the process of embracing a cross-shaped life. Of a sense of abandonment like the merchant looking for pearls. Lord, we want to be we want to experience what you have to offer. We want to know when the devil's giving us a fake of what community and relationships are meant to be. We want the real thing. So Lord Holy Spirit, please have your way. Help us both take specks out of others' eyes and allow others to take specks out of our eyes. All for the glory of the King of the Kingdom. Amen.